<laughs> Nothing's going your way. You've had a bad day. It's good to keep it simple. Michelle and Seth say take a deep breath from fade to gray. It's mental. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mental, where we are about to get all up into the subject of relationships. And I don't yes, just mean, okay, not weird, freaky relationships, none of that cheap shit. We're not doing that. I know some of you are disappointed. No, we are going to be talking about relationships in our latest series on deconstruction because it has been my experience, and I'm sure many of your experience, that your relationships are greatly affected while you are deconstructing, while you are questioning your relationships, while you are questioning everything you think you know about God. So we're going to be talking about those relationships today. And I don't know. What do you think, Seth? Is that a good enough intro or <laughs> something <laughs> no, you want to add? That's, that's a great intro. We are continuing our under construction series. This is something that people really do struggle with. And I would say perhaps is one of the most difficult parts of of deconstruction. What would you say, Michelle? Oh, hands down. I, I think, I, I don't know. I would maybe make it second only to questioning whether God exists or not, because that's an existential crisis in and of itself. But your relationships are, of course, something that you are very aware of on any given day, at any given time. And many people have lost very important relationships because of a change in belief system or, you know, the fact that they no longer go to church or, you know, whatever the reason Again, may be. <laughs> those two things are related. That's still faith. <laughs> so you, you try to create a comparison there oh, saying I'm those sorry. are different things. But going to church <laughs> is also related to changing your belief system, right? It there, is. I it mean, church be. is sure. combined along with church attendance so that's one of actually leaving the church is typically the reason people don't is because of relationships yeah i would agree with that i would agree with that of course right now many people are not in church but that's entirely out of their hands because of covid but for many people it is a choice and yes it does have a detrimental effect on the relationships that they have had as a strong support system in their life up until then but before we get started on this subject matter, we're going to do a mental minute, and you yes, have to start. And <laughs> I do. <laughs> I suppose that is only fair, considering considering I'm normally the last one, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like to do them. You know, talking about my mental health is not always an easy thing, but I think it's very important that we do so. Yeah, just I agree. being transparent. You know. Yeah. I don't like to say that every week is horrible. I have a great life. Things are, are generally pretty go are going well. Um, work has just been a challenge this week. Other than that, I think I'm doing pretty well overall. Um, mental health wise, I've just been frustrated <laughs> with work. Well, lots of people are frustrated with work. So that, I don't think that makes you abnormal. Certainly not mental, if you will. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying I've been trying this week and and haven't have quite a bit during COVID, but really focusing on making sure I'm not spending so much time alone. Oh, that's a good idea, yeah. 
so that's been something I've been like strategically planning out. In fact, right. after our uh, podcast tonight, I'm going to go hang out with some friends, have a few drinks and just kind of catch up uh, because we haven't talked that much. But I think getting out of the house and seeing other people has been very, very beneficial to me. And that's okay. one of the ways I've been managing my anxiety recently is going for drives. Um, oh, getting yeah. out of this damn house. Like I've got to, I've got to look beyond my four walls. Right. Uh, I need to, I need to see scenery. I need to see what's going on. So um, that's been beneficial. I don't know. What else do you want to know, Michelle? <laughs> Anything that you think is pertinent or important to you? I mean, this is your mental minute. I did this last weekend get to go home and see my parents, my brother and his boyfriend. I didn't get to go golfing with all of them, but I did shoot 18 holes with my dad. And I'll be honest, we ended up talking politics and (laughs) even religion and my lack of acceptance as a homosexual on the golf course, mind you. And may I just say, I some some clubs were thrown. It wasn't (laughs) at him. It wasn't him or you. Because of the conversation, I was all my balls were that I was hitting for were going into the woods. I lost more golf balls than I had expected to, and I was mad. <laughs> and not only that, I had my dad Marco Polo me at one point, so I could like show the the Marco Polo family for Faded Gray podcast and the network like that I was a good golfer. Yeah, that didn't work. They saw <laughs> that's when the clubs flew. I was being camera. I was being. They was being videotaped. Oh, so you gave somebody ammunition. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I did. Well, bravo. Yeah, I should have just started (laughs) with that story. (laughs) But my dad trying to be all professional and whatnot about work and everything. But now the real story comes out. (laughs) I was indeed. I was indeed. I just got to let you talk long enough. Eventually, you're going to out yourself. Yeah. (laughs) It it was kind of all around, too. It took some weird. That's okay. I'm a patient person on this at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Took some weird turns to get there. Uh, That's okay. But now here's what I want to know. Yeah. What was your score for your 18 holes of golf? 47. 47. Okay. No, for 18, I did not because I kept hitting my the balls kept vanishing into the woods and creeks and lakes and. heart pass and all kinds of stuff i didn't um keep score the first nine i just focused on kind of trying to get my game down okay Um, and then even on the even on the back nine he uh yeah i had a few mulligans but (laughs) they were always from the tee box okay i didn't take any mulligans from the green i didn't take any of that any of that shit it was all from no judgment here my friend Right. No judgment. I've played golf exactly one time in my life. Uh, my son is a, my oldest son is a fantastic golfer, like record holder when he was a teenager, like plays in tournament. He's fantastic. And he wanted me to go golfing with him one day. So I said, sure. What the hell? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> he got upset with me because the people behind me behind us caught shit from me because they were trying to hurry us. <laughs> and. I don't play that well with others. So <laughs> I turned around and told him to hold the damn, just hold them, hold your damn horses because I paid to be here just like you. I'll take as long as I damn well want. <laughs> well, that's why I didn't end up playing with my brother and his boyfriend, Thomas. 
because they're slow or you're or you are <laughs> we knew it would well we knew that they would not be good so playing in the middle of the day is not a good idea because a lot of people are playing and you're going to hold up all of the golfers yeah. and so if you have someone who is slower it's advised that you like play around like five or six. Oh, and I get that. So that, hey, and I'm totally down yeah. for that. You have to ask nicely though. Don't be an asshole to me and then expect me to acquiesce. That doesn't happen. As a matter of fact, I can guarantee you I will slow down because I'm just that kind of person. <laughs> yeah, that really doesn't play well on on the Don't parallel. care. But yeah. we did establish one thing. By the end of the round of golf, I think I made it through 17 holes until my shoulder said, what the hell are you doing? That's enough. At the end of that, we did we did decide, however, that if I could switch my golf score and my bowling score, it'd be golden. Yeah, it doesn't so work that way. So that tells you I suck at both of them. <laughs> oh, and we're getting, we're getting uh, comments here. Um, I am more than old enough to have a teenager. The son I'm talking about is 32 years old. So just to clarify, someone on Facebook Live, <laughs> good friend of the podcast, Mental, and also one of the co-hosts of Fade to Great Podcast, Chris, mm -hmm. uh, commented, how is Michelle old enough to have a teenager? Mm -hmm. That's very nice of you, but yeah, he's yeah. 32. <laughs> so he's giving you compliments, at, ladies and gentlemen, I but know. he also commented that I need a mental hour, which is not entirely wrong. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention it. I saw well, it, but I wasn't going to mention it. Yeah. He thinks I need a mental hour. And it's probably true. Clearly, yeah, I whatever. I have a lot of things going on. It takes me a while to get places. But let's let's check in with you, Michelle. How oh, are you holding good. Up? Let's do that. Please. Um, Help me. Well, for all of you that are interested in my ongoing saga of my move across the country, we now have all of my belongings are here. Yay! Over the course of a couple of days, several pods showed up, and we now have everything in the house or the garage. Um, I also have internet again. Yay! Yes. Um, Makes so podcasting easier. Yes, it does. And I have my office semi set up. I will tell you this, and I was sharing this with Seth before we started recording, that my husband and I have very different styles as it pertains to unpacking. I like to do one box at a time and everything in it's put away or decided that it needs to stay packed and go in the garage, something along those lines. That's the only one room at a time. Way. Yeah, the logical way. He just likes to unpack. So everything comes out of the boxes. And so my house right now looks like a bomb went off, which I hate. Yeah, I, I couldn't do that. <sighs> but it is what it is. And on top of it, we're trying to stay working and all these other things. So we don't have a lot of time to actually spend like putting the house together. So it's a little bit of a frustration, but my stuff is here. So that makes me feel way better. The weather's cooler. There's not as much humidity. I'm really going to enjoy fall here, I think. So I'm really looking forward to that. Everything else, I had a breakdown earlier this week where I, I with the bodybuilding, I was like, I, I don't think I can do this. I'm not going to be who I'm supposed to be. I'm not going to. And so my coach had to kind of get rough with me the other day. <laughs> A little I'm I'm legitimately curious. Yeah. Sorry to do this to you. I no know worries. it's your mental minute, but I'm jumping Whatever. in. How what what is it that made you feel like you're not fit to be a bodybuilder? Have you looked in the mirror? I mean, uh, I, I'm confused. Yeah, the mirror is my, not my friend. That's part what? of the problem. Uh, I'm very very critical of myself. I have an ideal in my head, which of course anybody that doesn't know me, I'll share with you. I am an idealist. Mm -hmm. 
So I'm, and we've already covered that I'm a perfectionist. So I have quite a high standard. And so the mirror is not my friend because whenever I look at it, I don't see how the good things I've done. I only see what still Mm -hmm. needs work. Mm -hmm. I do have probably quite a bit of body dysmorphia, which is something we may talk about at some point. So if you don't know what that is, look it up. But it it literally, I feel like I can't see what other people see. And so that's very big frustration for me. But honestly, what what happened, I have no idea. It could have been as simple as a comment from somebody. It, It, who knows? The wind shifted. I don't know. This is a mental game. So it, you know, from one day to the next, you never know. Anyway, my coach whipped me back into shape. So, well, she yelled at me anyway. (laughs) And then I apologized and I got back a text from her in all caps. Stop apologizing. (laughs) And I wanted to say, oh, sorry. And then I was like, no. I love that it was in all caps. Too. It was in that all just, caps. That just really <laughs> emphasizes the message. Yeah, and emphasizes how much I apparently do apologize, and she wants me to stop it. So so I, I kind of came to a decision yesterday that I will be happy if she is happy. And so I sent her pictures and whatnot, and she came back. She was very happy. So I was like, okay, I don't, I'm just going to rely on her, on her judgment. That's what I pay her for. That's is her expertise in my life. So. <laughs> I'm just going to let her do that. but She's doing her job. Yeah, she's doing her job. But anyway, yeah, that's kind of where I am. Same old stuff. Well, Chris, yeah, speaking of same old stuff, Chris has, almost commented, has also commented on Facebook Live asking, are you still review, uh, reviewing unsolicited pictures from randoms <laughs> on the internet? <laughs> Always. <laughs> well, so cert- that should boost your self-esteem. I mean, you it know, should. I mean, it does on one hand. It, it does, honestly, on one hand. But on another hand, I'm like, okay. <laughs> See, I think we we uh, view this very differently. Because when I receive random dick pics, I'm happy. <laughs> I don't understand why you're so sad. Like, no, that is, that is a gift. I don't gift. know. I guess, okay, so this is way outside the realm of our conversation. But here's my, my, my pondering on this is... Are like men, do men think on some level that when a woman receives a dick pic that she goes, oh my God, I can't wait to meet this person. Like, I've been married for 34 years. I mean, I know what they look like. (laughs) I think that it is the fact, first of all, that they love to receive those pictures of you and your uh, private areas. So they just Uh, automatically think if they, if they, if they like to receive that, then you must like it too. I don't know. I just think. That's where their mind goes. Okay, but, and I was laughing with my son a little bit ago about this because you know the whole Chris Evans thing happened this last week. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) And so my son was saying something about it the other day and I was like, I haven't seen this picture anywhere. And he's like, hold on. I looked it up. I'm like, you looked it up. He's like, I looked it up. So he shows it to me and I go, okay. So, so this developed into a conversation. Like, is that impressive? I'm like, okay, it's it's a picture. I don't know if it's impressive or not. And my husband's like, well, it's all about angle and how they take the photo and everything. And this became a full blown conversation. And I was like, see, I'm just not that interested. <laughs> it doesn't bother. I don't think about it. So whatever. It's Captain America. I said, look, if I was going to be all hung up on him, it'd be on how pretty his face is, not anything else. And my husband was like, well, they kind of go together in the whole package. And I was like, well, they do, but it's not like I'm going to meet him or anything. So, I mean, anyway, I, so I just am confused by that. And and so the really uncomfortable thing for me is, of course, when you get a picture like that, and then the question follow up is, what do you think? I don't know. 
what do I think? <laughs> She'd say very nice. Are you going to change something if I tell you it needs work? I mean, what are you going to do? That's who they you want, are. Listen, they want it. They want to be validated, Michelle. Okay. You validate. Yeah, everybody wants validation. You validate. But look what you started, Chris. Jesus. I'm not surprised. <laughs> and I'm also okay, not surprised. Okay, but this is surprised. not fade to gray, so we need to be mental here. <laughs> I'm also surprised that you respond. It's funny because you responded with Jesus, and that's the one thing Chris is all about. So it was just <laughs> ironic. But yes, this is mental, not fade to gray. Yeah, so exactly. let's talk. So let's, let's be professional, please. Yeah. <clears throat> very, very <laughs> professional, if we may. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's talk about deconstructing relationships. Relationships and deconstruction. Yes. What do you think? Well. What was your experience? I mean, my experience is around deconstructing religion. But let's let's first, before we even jump into this, let's redefine what, deconstru- what we determined as okay. a definition for deconstruction last week. Okay. Um, last week, we, de- we decided that deconstruction could be defined as questioning deeply held beliefs so evaluating i think is the the end result that we came to rather than questioning uh, well whatever i think questioning was my word no question was no your we started word. At, we started out with questioning but then the more we discussed it we said that probably evaluating. was not valid it should be more of an evaluation system so if if the definition is evaluating deeply held beliefs right tie that to relationships well, I, I don't know that you sit and decide to evaluate your relationships. I think it's a byproduct of the process that you're going through. Okay. Because that process becomes very personal and you, there are so many questions associated with it and changing or evolving viewpoints, eventually that that bleeds into those relationships, regardless of what kind of relationships they are. They could be just your church relationships they could be friends outside of church. They could be family members. It could be intimate family members. And you will find that there is a lot of evolving idea happening there. And as such, some of those relationships are going to suffer because it's not going to be comfortable because those people are not where you are in their line of questioning. Mm-hmm. And and so there's really no choice but for it to have some kind of effect. And often it's a negative effect, or at least it was in my experience. So... Right. I mean, I think that when we start to question our our deeply held beliefs, we figure out who people really are. Yeah. And what I mean by that is people show themselves. They do. Because uh, us questioning our systems, our belief systems, often, for some reason, threatens others. And it puts them in a place yeah. where where they feel as if they have to justify it somehow and we often get hurt. That's been my experience. Yeah. And that's, that's what it comes down to is the fact that you are sharing a part of yourself that is of course, very personal, you know, and has probably much of the, the genesis of the process has been internal. And suddenly now some of it starts coming out. Some of the questions are uncomfortable and yeah, it's a defense mechanism in a lot of relationships for that person to push back and and want to know what's wrong with you or who are you? Why have you changed? I literally had those exact things said to me, like, who are you? What What has happened to you? And I didn't have an answer for that. I didn't know because I didn't understand what was happening. I just knew I had all these questions and my thoughts were changing. 
And suddenly the people that were closest to me, the people that were supposed to be my foundational support system were not so foundational. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so people do show you who they are. And it's an unfortunate event because you learn quickly that people that you really, really thought were your very good friends are not. Well, it's it's kind of like, okay, I'm going to create an analogy. <laughs> okay. Substance abuse. A lot of times people who are struggling with substance use disorder or just, you know, they're using substances a lot, they often find themselves doing that with certain people and they identify those people as their very best friends. They, they do this for years. They right. share everything together and then you remove the substance for one of them and suddenly the very foundation to that relationship is gone. Right. And it's interesting if we now tie this back to faith and, and from my experience, specifically Christian belief, it doesn't even really seem to be around the belief it's around the church and the community. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's almost, it's almost like cult behavior. It's like you're either in with all of it and you're one of us right. or you are the other. You have been othered. You are outside of that circle and now you are no longer in the circle of trust. Right. So... Well, I mean, the church is a pro at the us versus them mentality anyway, the yes, duality of life. I mean, it comes down to that. It's always us trying to evangelize them or to bring mm -hmm. them into the fold. It's that, so they're a pro at that. So immediately when you step outside of the defined norms of your group, you are suddenly one or the other. As a matter of fact, you'll have things thrown at you like, have you lost your faith? Uh, have you backslidden? Which of course is Christianese for no longer believing in God or, you know, whatever. What it what they actually mean from that is, do you not believe like I do anymore? That's what they're really right. asking at the crux mm -hmm. of it. And unfortunately, we've made that question inherent to the actual ability to have a relationship. And for me, I've always said agreement is not the hallmark of relationship for me. I can actually disagree with somebody and still maintain a very close personal friendship with them. However, I have found that most other people cannot or will not operate at that level. If you disagree with them, you're out. It's disappointing. It is disappointing. Why do we think that is? I think it's fear. I mean, like I said, it's a defense mechanism. Fear. Yeah. If, if, if they give you validity to what you're questioning, if they say, okay, I can see you have a point there, that's a good question, it suddenly leaves all of their preconceived notions or deeply held beliefs or ideals vulnerable to the same questions. And nobody mm -hmm. wants to believe that they've been wrong. Think that people feel threatened. Yes. It makes them, it makes their foundation, what they hold so dear seem questionable yes and so they become defensive they become protective and in essence you get pushed out and it's just interesting because it goes against the very message of jesus yeah which is to love your neighbor it's to turn the other cheek it's to support the foreigner to support the people that are that are against you um and it's just so Again, us versus them. Yeah. I think it defeats uh, the church, and I, I, I think that it it's the crux or maybe the the center point 
around deconstructing relationships. Oh, for sure. And by the way, you didn't go it's far enough. Backbone. You didn't go far okay, enough in that going. description because uh, you you talking about Jesus. You left out the verses where he actually says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So it's okay. not even a matter of just loving those people that are close to you. Even if we do consider them othered, mm-hmm. Christ's admonition to us is still to love them and to pray for them. It's certainly not to excommunicate right. them and throw them away, which is what many have experienced, myself included. And mm-hmm. so, again, I don't know how people follow that line of reasoning that they're following Christ when they can do that to somebody else. That's my personal diatribe, but <laughs> I just, I don't understand that. And of course, that does have a very deep, impactful you know, effect on the relationships that you hold. So, and of course, those are much, I I, sh- I, I don't really want to take, I don't want to lessen the impact of those relationships. So say it's church relationships or whatever. Um, I don't want to lessen the impacts of those relationships because they're often very, you know, beneficial to people, but they are still almost secondary to having to deal with those same kind of reactions within your own family. And many people have experienced that as well. Yes. So now, and I'm just going to hazard a guess here. You've been very open about being homosexual, that your brother is homosexual. You have a good relationship with your parents, it seems. I mean, you're throwing golf clubs at your dad on the golf course. I mean, I feel like it's a decent they relationship. aimed at him. I was mad because I hit a ball into the woods. <laughs> My point is you have a good, re- a good enough relationship with him that you can spend the day on the golf course with him. Um, so to me, it sounds as though you never had a problem with having to come to them and and out yourself basically. And I, I don't know. Was that your experience? Like, were you expecting a bad reaction for that? Oh my gosh. Um, oh, (laughs) I'm uh, sorry. I didn't mean to throw a curveball at you. (laughs) Not expecting that question. I'm so sorry. Uh, so no, I had to out myself. Of course I did. Um, I grew up in the church. Well, I, I know uh, that. At age, um, my bro- I waited, though. I did not come out. I was very fearful of excommunication. I was very fearful of what was going to happen. Um, so what I did is rather than like out myself and say, here I am, I'm gay, I'm going to be this way, mm-hmm. um, I tied it to the church, and I was like, I need help. Fix me. Uh. So... I, yeah. Um, well, I mean, I know that, but it, it still sounded to me like your parents, that like you have a good relationship with your parents, that it didn't sever that relationship. Correct. Okay. Never severed the relationship. Awesome. Whereas. But it made things very tense. It sure. made things very uncomfortable. We had many, many difficult conversations, but I was never excommunicated. I was never put out. Okay. Well, and so a lot of people in that position are, though. Of course, that's one of the, the reasons that often people do not come out and identify themselves as homosexual or, you know, right. live the lifestyle that they choose to live because or that they want to live because they're worried about their relationships with their family. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to step out on a limb here and say in those ex- in that ex- in that subject matter, I can almost see being very fearful of. Of saying something about yourself like that because of that. Never did it cross my mind that I couldn't question what I believed about God. It didn't cross my mind that that would be a breaking point, mm-hmm. like a, a point of excommunication from any relationships and certainly not my most closely held relationships. So, again, you're talking about 
a subject that apparently holds a very big emotional toll for people. And now I feel so bad. I feel bad like I made you say something that you weren't ready to talk about. And I feel no. so bad. I'm so sorry. Don't feel don't feel bad. <laughs> I just wasn't expecting that question I'm because I, I figured you knew the answer. Well, I mean, I, I did it because like I said, it seems like you have a very good relationship with your family. So I didn't I feel like it had severed the relationship at all. But I, I was trying I mean, to, I it was a poor comparison to, maybe. I was trying to compare it to people I, uh, that are asking questions religiously. Yeah. I asked them to fix me, so they sent me to California and put me in a rehab program. Well, I do know that. I've read I've so, read the journal on that one, so. <laughs> yes, I wrote one. <laughs> yes, you did. Uh, and Seth, we're going to work on that journal because we're going to get it published, so. I really, really want to I get know it you do, and we're going to work really on that. <laughs> I've wanted to get, I've been wanting that to get published for since the day I left, I because I kept it, de- I mean, I kept it detailed. It's like 350 it pages. <laughs> yeah, it's of like, Ben said this, and Eric went outside. <laughs> yeah, it's very well, detailed. So it just um, needs a little work, but yes, I know yeah. that, but it should be shared, because it's a valid discussion on a lot of different points of relationship, but certainly you're, you're questioning around Christianity, your acceptance within Christianity, because again... A lot of times, and let's be honest, a lot of times people that are deconstructing are coming to new conclusions with regard to the ideas of sexuality and and their relationships and things like that. And even if they themselves are not homosexual, you know, they're much more open to accepting people that are, which then becomes a very big issue within mm-hmm. the church as well, For, especially because yes. there's so many churches that are not affirming, you know, they're relatively few that do. So I've had I've had some very negative experiences mm-hmm. within the church around this topic. Mm. It's why I'm currently not in church mm. and most of it has to deal with being hurt by people. Yeah. And so I'll just share a few stories. I'm going to be here I am. <laughs> I went to Mizzou, uh the University of Missouri for undergrad and I was very, very tied to a church called The Crossing and subsequently Campus Crusade for Christ on campus. In fact, a good percentage of my friends went on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. I literally have a family friend who married like a lady very high up in Campus Crusade for Christ. I mean, it's been a big deal in my life. And I've always tried very, very hard to impress those individuals. However, I was battling same-sex attraction, quote-unquote, when I was going to Campus Crusade at Mizzou, and I reached out for help multiple times and was essentially kind of just shunned out. Mm-hmm. Um, I never felt like I fit in. Once I was open about what I struggled with, things changed right. completely. I was no longer one of the in people. I was always on the outside trying to get in and couldn't. In fact, I applied for um, like a uh, summer Campus Crusade special trip for men. It was like in Juneau, Alaska, and it was supposed to be all about manlyhood and man, you know, like all that (laughs) jazz. And it was supposed to be life changing and everything like that. And I applied and was informed that by being and struggling with same-sex attraction, it's too too big of an issue. Can't do it. Wow. That hurt me. Yeah, I would imagine. A lot. I would imagine. And I no longer was included or invited to certain types of social events. And I felt very, very alone. And talking about 
pushing people who are struggling with same-sex attraction away from God. That's one way of doing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Later on in my life, when I was living in, well, I was also in Columbia, part of the the church, The Crossing, um, I came out to to one of the discipleship leaders and said, hey, I I want help with this. I don't know what to do with this. So they put me in a addiction recovery group. And literally, we went around the table. People were dealing with what? Masturbation, affairs, pornography, alcohol. All the big no-nos in Christianity. And here I was, I am a recovering homosexual. Please help me. (laughs) So, you know, and I got put in like my sexual identity had to deal with out with like a like an addiction. And and again, the underrooting of those relationships. I've had a very negative experience all around. Sounds like it. And that's unfortunate. And I do think that your point, though, that that you're making that that actually pushes people away from the church is, is very valid. I think that you would find a lot of agreement with that from people that are homosexual and have experienced that themselves in the church. You know, I mean, I don't know that there's ever been widespread acceptance no. of, of a homosexual lifestyle in any of the denominations in Christianity. Of course, I don't know all the tenets of each denomination, but I just know it certainly wasn't in mine. It wasn't in mine. I know that there are, though. There are there are affirming denominations. There are, yes. Now. Yes, and I think that's but, become more mainstream, but there certainly wasn't quite a few years ago. No. So, it, and again, it has this very negative effect in relationships. We We have a tendency in the church, and this is an old stereotype, but we have a tendency in the church to shoot our wounded. And, you know, so you have people that are already struggling with identity, that are struggling with, you know, where they fit in, whether it's through homosexuality or any other number of things. Single, I mean, I can remember single mothers, you know, being chastised for, you know, not being married and having children. I mean, there's, I mean, there's widespread different, you know, uh, examples of behaviors, if you will, behaviors in air quotes, within the church in which that person is made to feel less than fully a part of everything. Mm-hmm. because of some underlying thing in their life rather than being fully embraced and loved and shown what God looks like. And that's a disappointment to me. I look back at that now and I think what a, what a failure for the church to have on its record. It is. But as a lot of Christians in my life will say, remember the church is made up of people. Yes, of course. People who are broken, people who are sinful and in the end, people who care about themselves. Yeah. And we're the same way in our relationships. We're the same way in a lot of the things that we do. I mean, I am a very selfish individual. I mean, hello, you know. So, I mean, I see how it happens. It's just sad that the church isn't above it. No, you're right. It is very sad. And and I see you trying to make, you know, conditions there that make it sound a little less harsh. But I'm sorry, it's harsh. <laughs> I mean, these are people that are supposed to be the body of Christ and living by the tenets of who Jesus was. And yet they are still okay with setting up empire. They are okay with excommunicating people uh, from, from the body itself because of something they don't like about that person. So as it pertains to the, dis- to this discussion, it, it Something they don't like is the fact that you're just trying to evaluate your life and ask some questions, you know, and so suddenly now you're persona non grata because you're shaking the boat a little bit, you know, you're, you're 
you're challenging the powers that be, maybe. And that is not acceptable in empirical Christianity. It's, no. it's just not acceptable. Because, because we're, we're a tribe, and our tribe is dependent upon our belief system far more than it is like, you know, compassion, patience, <laughs> supporting one. What, the fruits of the spirit? Said with all sarcasm. Uh, yeah, right. Also, I totally got called out on Facebook Live right now, which we are live. Um, but Julie McVeigh just said, I guess the body of Christ is broken, question mark. And I'm like, okay, that's a fair call out. No, I think but- it is broken. <sighs> I know Julie. Julie and I have had uh-huh. lunch. <laughs> We've sat across from the table and had these discussions. I, mm-hmm. I think, and Julie is a very big advocate for uh, the LGBTQ community. Uh, like, argue to the ground advocate. So, I, I, to me, yeah, she's saying it's not a call out. She's right. It's broken at some point. It's broken because we've shut out certain segments of society and said you don't act appropriately, so you're no longer allowed to be a part of the community. You're no longer allowed to ask any questions that might shake up, you know, the leadership or God forbid that the leadership may not have an answer for because, of course, they know everything. Um, And yes, that's me being sarcastic. So yes, it's broken. I don't have a problem saying it. It's broken. It's broken to the point where people are leaving it in large numbers. And rather than address the issues as to why the people are leaving, we're just trying to shore up control. And that's disappointing. That's disappointing. That's not love or compassion of Christ at work. None of it. Sorry, my little rampage. <laughs> no, it's not a rampage. It's a rant. And okay, it's a, a good rant. One. And sorry to read that question wrong. I, Julie, I don't know if you've listened to Mental Much, but I'm generally take things the wrong way it's just part of me so please (laughs) oh julie's a sweetheart yeah i i I think it is broken i think that the church has failed is i think it's failed i won't i won't go so far as to say failed as in its past tense they are failing actively well they fail every day they failed you yes they're failing people and but it's not it's a done deal they're continuing it which means there's room for improvement but they have to recognize it and say look we have to evaluate what's actually happening and start mm-hmm. seeking the wise w y s w h y s well spelling's out the window <laughs> not wise w i s e was my point we have to start seeking out the wise of people leaving We have to start addressing those issues now. And I know the pushback on that. Immediately, the pushback is we are not of the world. We're not in the world or of this world. You know, so we, we shouldn't align ourselves with changing viewpoints. But the problem with that is it disallows any conversation as to the fact that you just might have been wrong all along. Mm -hmm. Because most people do not want to admit that they're wrong. Of course not. So, and now we're, so, we're right back to the discussion on relationships because that's why people push away when you start questioning because they don't want to be wrong. And you are maybe forcing a conversation they're not ready for. Or at least I think that's my experience. I don't know. I'm sure other people have lots of other experiences as it pertains to relationships. So after, because it's been seven years since you left your church. Mm-hmm. What are the relationships? Are there any relationships 
from this situation that you still have today? And what is different about that relationship than the relationships you don't have? Are there any relationships left? What is it? Um, there are very, very, very few. Very okay. few. And they've become very surface-level relationships. They're not sit in each other's house, chat about our So deepest, the depth. Yeah, the depth is gone. The depth is gone. Yes, for sure. Uh, the majority without, of them, everyone. Yes. Uh, the majority of them are just no longer there. Um, they were basically cut off, mm. uh, which was deeply hurtful. Yeah. Uh, it was, and it was deeply impacting to me. And of course, as an introvert, I don't give up myself easily to friendships anyway. I tend to have, even going to church and, and being there, I actually called those relationships lazy relationships. Uh, and what I meant by that was the fact that it was easy to have those relationships because you saw one another once a week. You asked how each other was. There might be a potluck. You might have a pool party, something where you spend a few hours together, which always exhausted me anyway because it exhausts me to be around a lot of people. So the fact that that I lost those relationships wasn't a huge impact as far as my day-to-day other than being emotionally hurtful. That that was the big problem for me because it was people that I had spent so much time with and felt as though we had some sense of camaraderie. You know, we had helped one another out. We had provided financial assistance. We had done lots of things for one another. And then suddenly, because I asked a few questions and I didn't attend a building anymore, that was all gone. So what's the answer? To... Well, what's the question? I mean, it just, it just seems so sad. It just seems so, like, I just, I don't like, I don't like it. I don't like <laughs> relationships ending like this. And no. I hate being disappointed by people. And I hate being hurt. Yeah. And I've been hurt a, f- a damn <laughs> lot. And I, I'm just, I, I want, so I just really quick to kind of paint the alternative. It's kind of, you know, we're looking at what this deconstruction process has done within our lives and within the relationships we have. But like because of this, because of the pain, because of the hurt, you know, I'm really striving and and I don't know if is striving even a word. I say that yes, so often. It is. I'm really it is. <laughs> I'm really trying to form relationships that are meaningful, that are lasting, that do go further and, and last lot. And Michelle, I consider you one of them. So Thank part you. of this I pain, you one of part, them as well. <laughs> right? So like part of this pain, you know, I I've learned, um, yeah. and I'm kind of hesitant with creating friendships with people who are deeply Christian. Oh, I, I, I like too. Christians a lot, but it depends on how fundamental they are. If it's super fundamental, I can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I look it. at it this way. I mean, I feel like there's these different. It's almost like like a circular thing, you know, where the, the pattern where the circles go in and, you know, you have some of those friends that are the very outside circle kind of friends, you know, Mm -hmm. but as they, as the friendships come further in on the circle, they're the closer, deeper friendships. I have very few that are not on the outside. I only have a couple Mm -hmm. that have actually penetrated that diagram at all, because first and foremost, as I mentioned, I'm introverted. So I don't, I don't form those kind of relationships easily anyway. Second of all, those relationships that I thought fit into that mold fell apart and I realized I was mistaken. 
And so, yes, it hurts you and you decide you don't want to make those mistakes again. And so you become very self-protective. So again, defense mechanism. There are those few that I have that are very close. But all of this discussion does not even touch the idea of family-related disruption as it pertains to relationships and deconstruction, because that's a very real thing for people. I I will tell you that there was a period of time I wasn't sure my marriage would make it. I mean, we had other things going on as well, but me changing my mind about things and questioning and this evolution that was happening in my thinking caused great amounts of disharmony in my household. My husband was literally the one that said to me, what is wrong with you? I don't know who you are anymore. Mm. Which scared the hell out of me, to be honest. I mean, we've been married for 32 years. To hear that come from the person that you've spent 32 years with is frightening because, again, going back to what we said over and over, I didn't choose this process. I didn't choose to start asking these questions and suddenly I'm being held responsible for this relationship because I'm not the person I used to be anymore. And I think differently and I'm asking questions. I can remember having very, very big problems with conversation over the Bible. Not so much going to church. Uh, My husband, before we moved, he was still going to church before COVID and all that. He was still going to church and he really disliked that I didn't go with him, but he didn't give me a hard time about it anymore. So that part, we never had too much of a disagreement on. But certainly reading the Bible, um, my questions about the existence of God, I think he just now kind of goes, okay, and walks away. Like, we don't have those discussions now. He's he's figured out. He's letting me do, he's letting me have my process. Uh, Where Mm -hmm. before he was very actively fighting against that process. Um, He didn't understand Mm -hmm. it. He was angry about it. And so it was very, very difficult. I also look at the relationships with my kids, which are all fine. But for me, as a mother, there's a very big level of responsibility that I no longer go to church that I felt like I started this whole thing and they just got drug along. And so neither one of my boys go to church. One of my daughters no longer does. I have one daughter that she still does. So I feel this very big sense of responsibility for those relationships that are now missing God for some reason, as though it's my fault. So again, there's so many different tenets to this relationship discussion. It, it's it's a lot. Yeah. Which is why it's to, the main one kind of, of the main problems for people. Yeah. Okay, I have to do a little smart Alex thing. Okay. Do any of your kids have children yet? No. Are they bound to anytime soon? Uh, I ha- I think one of my daughters was trying, but I don't know where that stands at the Just moment. live for that because then you'll have grandchildren. <laughs> you know, that's the whole thing with being gay that creates issues. So I just was going to say, you know. Good point. That doesn't mean you, you can't might, have you kids, have though. The, that doesn't mean you can't You have might kids. have the God thing, but you, you, you're going to get the grandchildren. So yeah, that's what yeah. matters. You know, for me, <laughs> it was always really difficult because that was the one thing I can't give. Well, you so, can. I mean, it's it's a choice well, for you. But yes, yeah. it, it's more difficult, I would imagine. Yeah. Just because so. of how things work with adoption and all that kind of stuff now. And I'm I'm going to So speaking of family and faith. Yes. You know, I'm I come from a very deeply Christian family. Mm-hmm. However, when I look around and I see my cousins 
like I'm not like overly like I'm not like okay are we carrying the tradition I'm not for sure (laughs) you know that's always kind of been a question but I felt like I did what I was supposed to do with with regard to I am I was a Christian okay I was deeply in the church I realized that I had same-sex attraction I knew that this was wrong I sought help, I sought counseling, I asked pastors, I got accountability partners, I got mentors, I went to California and spent three months in a rehabilitation center, I came back, I battled depression, I at one point felt suicidal, I, I felt like I did what I was supposed to do. Right, right. And yet, it doesn't matter. And that's, I think, it's always been like this catch-22, and I'm sorry I brought this back to homosexuality, okay. but like it's this is so tied in for me. I of can't course. talk about relationships right. without this being a part of it. Totally 100% understand. My family doesn't say anything, okay? Like, and I don't mean, they're. I am very, very lucky. My parents did not banish us. In fact, they spent $10,000 to try to make me straight because I asked for it. <sighs> you know, they have gone out of their way. But even within my extended family, which it's terrifying because some of them could watch this, but there's never been an outright, like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. But like a, <laughs> like a, we accept you. We know you are this. We're proud of you. And we accept you. Like, I know that they accept me. I know that they love me. I know that most of them would die for me. But there's something on that level that some form of validation that would make things a lot better. And without that validation, I constantly, because of my experience, feel distant from them. Okay. In fact, I had a whole conversation with my dad on the on the golf course about this this last weekend because I was like, I'm in this Marco Polo group with like all of my cousins, okay, and all of them. And I listen to their Marco Polos and I feel totally distant. Like we are on different planets. And that is not how things used to be. There's there's a shift. And I I don't like it. Some of it's time. Some of it's distance. But I do think that had I remained in the faith, had I not come out as gay, it would be different. I think that I would feel closer to them. And I don't. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. Yeah. Is there a good chance that some of that is you projecting that onto them because you're not positive about yourself? Oh, 100%. <laughs> but it's really hard to tell that difference. Sure, it is. It's very difficult to discern between the two. It's very difficult. It's all really, it's like one massive blob, yeah. and I just don't like to deal with it. It's its something I kind of just push to the side. And I think that's what we do a lot of the times when we're hurt in relationships through the deconstruction process is we put them out of our mind. Yeah. yeah. You know, right? Out of, my, out of sight, out of, out of mind. Um, if I don't see it, I don't have to talk about it. Right. Just have the to worry problem about is it that doesn't holidays. deal with that doesn't deal with the emotion. It doesn't deal with the pain that's involved in Correct. in losing those relationships or having those relationships damaged, even at a minor level. Because it it is, in some level, an inability to accept us for us. As I said, you know, Christianity seems or tends to gravitate towards those that are willing to toe the line, so to speak. 
and, which is quite ironic when you consider some of the origins of Christianity, some of the evolutions of Christianity, you know, like Luther and, and, you know, I mean, he was totally considered a heretic for his mindset on things, but yet much of Christianity is based on a lot of his understanding now. So well, hi, hindsight's 2020. Of course. Right. Of course. Like what, what's that verse in the Bible that, oh crap. A savior's never loved in its town. A, pro- was a, it a prophet, prophet is never, yeah, prophet. they're never accepted in their town. I've said that so many times because I can't even tell you the number of times like I have felt that and experienced that. <laughs> like you, you know, you're speaking what's actual truth, and everybody else is like, nope, nope, because they don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And and again, that comes right back to the origin origin of this discussion. It comes right back to the ideas of. Anytime our relationships are adversely affected through this relationship, it's most often the fact that it's not us that are separating ourselves. It's the people that we've made uncomfortable separating themselves from us. Right. Almost without fail. I've not heard it one way or the other. I've heard people say, I can't go to church anymore. I can't be with those people. I have heard that, yes. But my point being, the impetus for that was always that they were not accepted mm-hmm. or that their questions were not allowed on some level. You know, and it's almost as though they begin speaking a different language. You know, I, and I know you read it. Uh, I wrote about Kafka in, in my book, uh, Metamorphosis, yeah. which for anybody that doesn't know, that's a story, yeah, it's Kafka's story of a character named Gregor who wakes up one morning and finds that he's turning into a beetle. And it, which is a very weird, <laughs> a very weird analogy, but it made sense in my head that this man woke up one day through no, through no, desire of his own found himself turning into something else that people were polite about at first and distanced themselves from. But then they even mentioned that they couldn't understand him anymore. The language had shifted and changed. His appearance had changed. And pretty soon, not only were they giving, they weren't just giving him polite smiles and backing away slowly. They were actively removing themselves from relationship with him. And to me, when I read that, I thought, Jesus Christ, this is exactly how it felt. The effect that those relationships, losing those relationships felt to me in that process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I did get the very plastic smiles at first, like, oh, okay, we're a little uncomfortable with that, but yeah, okay. You know, and then the more questions you ask, they're like, okay, well, now you're really stepping into some areas that we don't understand. And then after a while, they're like, more serious. yeah, what are you talking about? Who are you? I don't even know who you are anymore. I don't understand what you're saying. And then before long, they're just shutting the door, mm-hmm. you know, and so now suddenly you're out here on your own. And of course, the tragic ending of that story is Gregor dies. And we're not told whether he commits suicide or he just dies from heartbreak. We don't know. He just dies. But they go on with their life as though he never existed. And for the life of me, that's how it felt to me. that Those people just went on with their lives as though I no longer existed. It it broke my heart. And it destroyed a lot of my self-confidence and a lot of my ability to entertain relationship with other people. Because you're always questioning, is that going to be the outcome now? What's going to be the question that is just too far? How far can I take this relationship? How steady is this relationship? And for most people in this process, what they're finding is that the, that the relationship can't sustain it a lot of times. So it's it's very frustrating. It's very disheartening. Uh, it's deeply impactful. And it, I think it's one of the bigger problems in this whole discussion. That's happened a lot. But I, again, 
try not to think about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You but shut it off. There's people that I, and again, it's been a long time since I've been that involved in the church. So it's kind of funny that I even talk about it. But, you know, I was close to a lot of people and they just slowly, slowly either stopped responding or completely stopped reaching out yeah. until it was, uh, my group had changed. Exactly. Yeah. It was smaller um, and it was different people. Well, and the and the the way my relationships have worked is very different now. Um, the majority of my relationships are online relationships, mm-hmm. you know. And it's funny because you and I have never met face to face. Nope. But I consider you a very good friend. Well, thank you. My, my friend Matthew DiStefano. I mean, we met one another on Facebook and became friends, and we've of course spent time in person together now. But he's still one of my closer relationships. But that's pretty much of this kind of relationship. You know, and I have quite, you know, several others that are deeper, closer friendships that I've never met that person face to face. Because that, Mm -hmm. again, I'm introverted. So part of that is just really comfortable for me. But secondly, it, it, I had to find those people that were like-minded that were going to be my relationship, regardless of what question I asked, regardless of my emotion on any given day, regardless of my being pissed off at God or not knowing if God is there. All of those things, I had to have those relationships where somebody said, I get you. You know, Brene Brown talks about that, the idea that, well, my thought just went out of my head. Well, you said Brene Brown. (laughs) I know, right away, it's vulnerability. You said Brene Brown, vulnerability. (laughs) Or shame, one or the other. She has a TED Talk. And a few books. I've been listening to one lately. It's all on shame. So that, but it just went right out of my head. But, but again, she talks about those foundational emotions within relationships mm-hmm. that, that the relationship has to be able to sustain those or that you're going to feel shame. You're going to feel as though you're not important. And it, that's a damaging place to be. Yes. You know, so I, I don't know. These kind of relationships seem to work for me. <laughs> me too that's why i'm on an app called marco there you Polo, go See, talking you to people me like to a walkie talkie all the time <laughs> i know i love that yeah. i love that app because honestly if i don't want to answer i just put the phone down <laughs> yeah well, i know you do but i also watch your little little icon when it shows up and watches and then i notice you leave and you don't say yeah. anything and i'm like i know she's seen yep. it but i get to Anyhow. you know i get to sit and formulate my answer i get to take my time that's a lot of times easier, especially when you're talking about a subject matter that you're not sure what you think about. You're not positive right. what's happening, you know, in your mindset with regard to that relationship or that conversation or whatnot. So you take those moments. So again, that's worked very well for me. Other people, that doesn't work. Of course, other people are very uh, extroverted. They need, and that's one of the things that came up in the conversation I found a lot for a lot of people when it came to whether there were relationships that they maintained in church or not. As you mentioned earlier, it was more, it wasn't so much about church, but it was about the relationship within the church because a lot of those people are very extroverted and they need that interaction. And so it was very mm-hmm. disappointing to them that, that they had been shut out of that interaction and they had to find. So I found that a lot of those people, when I, when I discussed with them, if they were extroverted, it seemed as though they plugged back in to a church somewhere. It tended to be the people that were more introverted or had been deeply, deeply emotionally abused um, that chose to withdraw and say, I don't, I don't need that environment anymore. So eventually that may be a study. That's actually not a bad idea. No, uh, how, how that has affected people. 
Um, I think you have a research study in front of you. <laughs> I don't know if that's deep enough, but the one one of the things that I have watched over and over and over, and, and it comes up in my Facebook memories every year, and I always reshare it. I don't know if I mentioned this to you or not. I might have. Uh, Tyler Perry has a Medea video that he did where he's he's got a young man sitting next to him who's very upset about a broken relationship. And he goes into this monologue about relationships are like a tree. And the majority of the people in your life are leaves. They're blown about by the wind and they flitter away. And then every now and then you'll find those people that are like the branches on a tree. And they're a little sturdier. But he goes on to say, those are the ones you have to watch. Because you'll think they're strong enough and you'll step out on them and they'll break. And then you're left falling. And he said, but every now and then you'll find that relationship that's deep and it's like the root of the trees. It's like what your tree grows out of and it's there to stay. It, nothing is moving it. And they're very few in our lives. And every time I hear that, it makes me cry first and foremost, because I realize how many of those relationships that I thought were very strong relationships were nothing more than leaves on a tree. And then I think of those few that I thought were strong enough to hold me up that totally broke out from under me and let me fall. And I can only see a couple of them that are those roots. And so as it pertains to relationships and deconstruction, I think that's kind of how we have to view it, or at least that's the picture in my mind, is you've got to find the root relationships, the ones that are there for the long haul, that are okay with questions, that are okay with emotions, that are okay with your entire process so that you are allowed to have your process. And unfortunately, they're few and far between. Deconstruction makes it, it, I feel like it shines a light on all of that. Like it shines oh, a sure. light on, yeah. you know, that's, I mean, that's what happens. Yeah. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, people show their true colors. Yes. Um, you really discover who people really are. Again, for me, in talking about this, if you notice, like my thought process has kind of been all over the place with this conversation. Well, that's just the way this goes. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I wanted to like have an agenda for this conversation. You can't have no. one. It's kind of like you just throw it on the table yeah. and we go at it. See what sticks. Okay, that sounded wrong. <laughs> but, you know, we see, we see what sticks. Yeah. And, um, I think that we both can identify that we've been hurt by people. Yeah. And I'm sure that I have hurt people myself. Sure. On that out there. Um, well, sure you you made a point of saying that a couple times now that we learn a lot about people in this process. Mm -hmm. The yeah. other side of that coin is that we learn a lot about ourselves too, because we have the same propensity to act, mm -hmm. you know, by shutting somebody out for a question. Or so we have to be really very cognizant of that. That yeah. if we're truly going to be the kind of friend that's that root kind of friend, we have to be okay with other people having their process as well. You know, which is difficult. It's very difficult, but it's very, very important. And with that, I think we should wrap this up. Okay. But I want to thank everyone for checking us yes. out on Facebook Live. Thank you, guys. And, and participating and commenting. And I want to thank you for listening if you're checking it out on the podcast. And Michelle, did you receive a sweatshirt yet? I did. I got it the other day. I showed my did husband. It I go, I, It's big because I always get them big. I like them. Okay. I like them roomy. Um, plus, you know, my arms are not teasing. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> this is what it's like having a co-host who's a bodybuilder. <laughs> yeah, she's a smart ass too. Um, yes. anyway, no, I got it and I had it laying up in my bedroom and my husband came in. I go, look, look, look. 
I've never had my cartoon likeness on a on a sweatshirt before. <laughs> what do you think? He liked it. He said How do you it was like cool. it? It was is funny. It nice you know sweatshirt? what? It is. It's you know I like it. It's a good thick sweatshirt. But he was like, oh, that's really cool. And then a little bit later, I was gone somewhere and I got a polo from him, and he was like, you know, I just realized I that probably deserved a little more enthusiasm from me, so I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I thanked him. I'm like, well, thanks for you know thinking about it i appreciate that um but yeah i was very excited about it so yes we have merch <laughs> yes we do so if you are interested in our merch you can go to storefrontier.com backslash ftg network and just kind of throwing that um in we are part of the fade to gray network and therefore if you are interested in our show you can find us under mental podcast or you can search the fade to gray network and receive mental episodes along with other podcasts on the network. Right. Um, so please feel free to check that out. And anything else we should add? We have a Facebook group. Yes, we do. So you should absolutely check that out. That's where we have discussions and suggestions for topic matters and all different kinds of stuff. We should also mention our Patreon. Yes, we should. Um, for as little as $5 a month, you can join the Patreon. And become a patron of Mental Podcast. Now, what's the point? I mean, I really want you to support us financially. I mean, that really helps us keep the show on air. But Michelle, can you just really quick mention what are a few of the perks? Because there's one that's about to come out this week. That's right. We have bonus content. I think that's what you're referring to, correct? Yes, yes we I have am. bonus content. Because you guys just might think that Seth just. Seth and I just sit here on a microphone while we're live and talk, uh, but we don't. We have a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, we're both pretty sarcastic and we goof around a lot. So that's on there, but also more in-depth conversation to uh, as it pertains to the subject matter. A lot of our personal experiences, specifically on the subject of deconstruction, we've had, I think that's what's going to be available soon, is a conversation that we had uh, on the subject of deconstruction, which was more personal in nature to our experiences. So only our Patreons get that. And I don't know. You get to be in a special Marco Polo group where you have you access do. to us, which is fun. <laughs> 24-7. You oh can God, message us <laughs> anytime you want. But the Michelle thing about will it is, watch it and put may, the phone down. And <laughs> we may take our time in responding. <laughs> Apparently. Because we have time. Uh, yes, there is a special Marco Polo group just for the Patreon. Yeah. Um, I had one that was open to like everyone, but like no one wanted to be in it. And honestly, the only posts in there were me advertising our shows. And so it was like, you should ask some people from like the Fade Gray Network. Like it was. It was painful. Cringeworthy. Yes, it was cringeworthy. People did not like that. So we just reduced it down to the people who support us financially. So please feel free to check that out. So would you say, and, I, I just uh, have a question. Do you think that like yeah. Patreon is, this was just a random thought that went through my head. Sorry. Do you yeah, think go. Patreon is akin to like a fans only thing? Kind of. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because that's become a big topic only. lately, apparently. So. It's not fans only. It's only, only fans. fans. See, I'm right. ignorant. I don't know. <laughs> and kind of. <laughs> kind of what? I'm kind of ignorant. You get bonus con no, you get content by supporting financially. Right. Only fans but I think you get the content pornos, there is a little news. more Here you get risque. Trauma. Tra <laughs> we traumatize you, that's what we try to do. 
it's we a share our own trauma. Mental podcast. <laughs> we have uh, got to get off. Yeah, we gotta time. get We've done. Been on getting... we, we gotta be. Listen, I gotta go drink with some friends. I got. I got the to gym do. to go to still. I mean, yeah. <laughs> How do I end this thing? All right, you guys. <laughs> thank you for checking us out. Good night, everybody. And uh, <laughs> see ya. This is the recast. Parents go and they release the hellions with no manners, respect, or anything else onto this park. Welcome to the recast. We're talking about being naked. <laughs> Thing in the Bible, who always gets the shaft? Is right. the person following the leader? So for all you parents out there, it doesn't matter how you raise your kids, <laughs> they might just end up the opposite of what you thought. Well. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, and iHeartRadio.